You're listening to Halford and Bruff. The Bills emerge victorious with a 31-17 victory. He goes with a backhander. Elvis stops it, and I got two words for you. I cry. I'm mad, and I'm pulling out the monster out of me now. Well, I mean, it's been a hell of a trip. Good morning, Vancouver. 6.01 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios of beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Figured it out, eh? Found something, put it there. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. They recycle, you get paid. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech! Big show on a Tuesday. Guest list begins at 6.30. Uh, filling in for Greg Wyshynski. And congrats to Greg and family. A new addition to the family. Greg's on paternity leave for the next couple of weeks. Uh, Kristen Shilton, ESPN's senior NHL writer, is going to join the program. Uh, she will capably fill Wish's shoes on a Tuesday as we go around the National Hockey League. Uh, at 7.30, Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from the Messenger. Busy day yesterday, obviously. A pair of wild card games. The divisional round is set. Bill Belichick's interviewing for jobs in Atlanta. I don't know what's going on. Up is down, left is right. Nothing makes sense. Yeah, the Seahawks have a few, uh, have reportedly interviewed a few coaches too, including Dan Quinn. So I can't wait to get Mike Tanier's uh, take on uh, whether or not the Seahawks should hire Dan Quinn. Uh, Eight o'clock, Brendan Batchelor, play by play voice of the Vancouver Canucks on Sportsnet 650. You heard him yesterday. Right after our show, it was very strange driving around mm-hmm. post-show, listening to Batch and Randeep call the game. Canucks lose the final of a lengthy road trip in Columbus. We'll talk to Batch about that. He gets a few days off before they're back in action against the Coyotes on Thursday. We have two giveaways once again. We just This show is now just it's like a... A suitcase on a long trip. We're just jamming everything we can into it. <laughs> and, then and, give it and then giving it away. And then giving it away at the end. Uh, so the first prize is a big football game prize pack. That is a table for you and five of your friends plus a $100 gift card. Uh, and you get to meet some Sportsnet 650 personalities. I use that term loosely. Uh, Clayton Public House, <laughs> Sunday, February 11th for the big football game. Today, we're going to a little bit more in order. It's all going to be what we learns, okay? If you want the big football game tickets, put a football emoji into your text. Now, all due respect to the big football game giveaway, our other giveaway is a big one, Jason. This is, this is, this is the one, yeah. We are giving away a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and Leafs on Saturday, January 20th, Hockey Day in Canada, 4 o'clock start uh, from Rogers Arena. So if you want to see the Canucks and Leafs on Saturday, put a ticket emoji into your what we learned. Now, here's the thing. Competition is going to be fierce. I can already tell. Who doesn't want to go to the Leafs game, right? It's one of the bigger marquee games on the calendar. Make it good. Hashtag it WWL. 
What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Let us know. Hashtag it. If you want the tickets to the big football game party, uh, put a ticket emoji into your text. And if you want Canucks tickets, or sorry, football game, football emoji. Canucks tickets, ticket emoji. It's not my fault. There's too much stuff. I'm, I'm We're no, giving away. I'm not judging you. Guys. I'm not judging you. You just screw it up every day. We're giving it's, away. And it's hilarious and it's funny. Too much stuff. Uh, two, there's two things. Brendan Bachelor at 8, Mike Tannier at 7.30, Kristen Shilton at 6.30. That's the guest list. Okay, if you want hockey tickets, the football emoji. Very, very important. If you want the hockey tickets and the football tickets, a pizza emoji. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Can't make, be any clearer than that. That won't screw it up. Okay, without further ado, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. After a very lengthy and tumultuous at the end travel-wise road trip, Vancouver Canucks finally lost the game. Their five-game winning streak ended not long after we were off the air yesterday. A 4-3 shootout loss to the Columbus Blue Jackets at Nationwide Arena on Monday morning. Yeah, the Canucks got a point out of it. Well, it wasn't until it was Monday afternoon in Columbus. Uh, but the uh, the Canucks finally didn't win after taking a lead into the th- third period, those losers. They are now 26-0-1 after taking a lead into the third period. Credit to the Columbus Blue Jackets, who usually suck, but didn't yesterday. They, they tried hard, hard yesterday. They tried hard. Um, and I guess congratulations to Elvis Merzlikens, who... Was pretty pumped for the win. Um, he returned to the Columbus net and uh, celebrated the shootout win like he just won the Stanley Cup. But, uh, I mean, credit to him. That was a big win for him as he looks to not be on the Columbus Blue Jackets anymore. Damn, what a, he had a very eventful postgame media availability. He did his walk-off interview. It was Bally Sports, right? And kind of went crazy in that one. Yeah, was, can, we, can we actually hear that right now? You know what? Let's just hear some Elvis right now. I, I mean, I don't really know exactly what the um, circumstances were other than he later announced that he had officially requested a trade right. from Columbus. So the man was fired up after getting his first win, having not played for a while. Elvis Merzlikens, everybody, following a 4-3 shootout win over the Vancouver Canucks. Elvis, there's been a lot of talk in the in the days leading up to this game. How good did it feel to go out there and let your, your play speak for itself? Well, it definitely was an easy game for me. Uh, I didn't play it a while. And, you know, I, I, like like when I was talking back there, I, I said, like, when I'm going to have my chance, I have to, I, I'm not going to have time. I have to get right away in uh, in the moment in the game, and uh, and I tried doing that. I did not like my third goal in PK, uh, but I take it because, again, I didn't play a while. I, I'm, in the start of the game, I did not feel well the puck. Each period was better and better and better. Third period was awesome. Overtime and, and, and the penalty shots, I'm really happy about it. Yeah, I mean, as the game rolled out, that's the perfect scenario for you because you were feeling at your best when you needed to be, right? I'm just mad, I'm going to tell you honestly. Yeah. I'm mad and I'm pulling out the monster out of me now. How did it feel in that overtime? When Not only were you perfect in the overtime, but the shootout you handled brilliantly. Sorry? The, the shootout you handled brilliantly. Uh, there, there was no other choice as a win. I needed this win. I needed this win, and I got it, and now I'm laughing. Now you can go celebrate a little bit. A lot. A lot. Thanks for the time, Elvis. Thank you. 
Instead of celebrating, I'm going to go request a trade publicly. That's exactly how that ended up. I enjoy how he had that monster line, and the interviewer was clearly not ready for that one. I I felt like he was just about to say, like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, yeah. I'm a follow-up on the monster. Yeah, Yeah. say that again, please. Um, Merzlikin said that he didn't like the third goal that he allowed, and that was yet another goal. And point for Elias Pettersson, that was on the power play. But the Canucks overall, they look like a, like a team at the end of a marathon road trip that just had to deal with some adverse travel and then play an afternoon game, which they weren't used to. And they look like that because that's exactly what they were. The Canucks were outshot 36-16 to 16 over the final 45 minutes. Thanks to IMAC for that stat. And, um, you know, Casey DeSmith did his best in goal, uh, and he played pretty well in the shootout as well. Um, Kirill Marchenko with a great move. Yep. With a sneaky move where he kind of just like, I don't know, shuffleboarded the puck into the net behind uh, Casey DeSmith when DeSmith wasn't ready, but DeSmith played well. Maybe you don't like the goal that tied the game. It was a wraparound. It just, I don't even know how the puck went in. Um, 41 saves. But listen, overall, you know, JT Miller after the game said, listen, it was a good road trip. We came together as a team, won in some really fun environments uh, against some hard teams. We just didn't play well today. There's no lot, there's, there's, there's not a whole lot to like about it, if I'm being honest. That was just kind of a dud for us. He looks like you, Point Dexter. Um, Tockett said, hell of a trip. I'm really proud of the guys, and I've got to give them a lot of credit. Digging hard to even get this point. So the road trip in conclusion, the Canucks go 5-1-1. One, and one. It featured the return of the lotto line and poor, perhaps more excitingly, more talk of actually competing for a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. I know my opinion changed of this team during, the, during those, let's say the four games between Newark and, or including Newark, the New York games and the Pittsburgh games. Um, before then, it was just a very impressive turnaround season. Sure. And I think it's two things. Number one, and most importantly, how well the Canucks played on this trip, how many games they won, but also how well they played. And the growing sense out there that there's no dominant team in the league. Now, one might emerge and one might be emerging right now in Edmonton, but the Oilers have done this before, and I think we all look at that Oilers lineup and we understand why they can be so good at times, but we also know that they have a few, they have an Achilles heel or two. Yeah, it's called the Canucks. On that too, Boom. on that team. Well, no, but more just like, can they play the right way when it counts? And also their goaltending. And um, I think one more thing that's gotten us kind of excited for the trade deadline and what's to come is that, you know, we all remembered and we keep getting reminded by the likes of Rick Dollywall and Elliot Friedman that Jim Rutherford is in charge of this team and he's been known to swing for a fence or two. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your thoughts overall from the road trip? Yeah, and well, huge disappointment that they finally lost for the first time this season. <laughs> huge tri- disappointment. I, it might have ruined the entire thing for me. You said your opinion changed. My opinion's changed now. They're not perfect anymore. And that's what we were striving for at the end of this thing. Um, I, You know what? I do actually kind of want to play the audio from Tockett because he understood that 
the guys, although it was a dud, as JT Miller put it yesterday, there's still some credit that needs to be given to the team for scrapping a point. And on the surface, you'd say, why would you be happy about scrapping a point out of playing one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League, allowing three goals and then losing in the shootout? But this was a very, very integral trip for a lot of different reasons. And having it closed the way that it did, uh, good on Rick Tockett for pointing out that it was a positive overall. Here's the head coach in his walk-off interview with uh, Kate Pedersen following the 4-3 loss to the Blue Jackets on Monday. Well, I mean, it's been a hell of a trip. You know, it's like I said, you know, there's been a lot thrown at the guys. Um, and you could tell, you know, men- mentally fatigued. But um, like I said, you know, to grind out a point at this stage, uh, the seventh game going home. So I think it's just uh, nice to get ho- get on that plane and get uh, get home. Yeah, safe to say everyone's ready to go. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you, can, you know, it's a, it's a long trip, you know. And, you know, it's just guys to see their families and stuff like that. It's been a while. So it's been two weeks. So it's nice to get home and... Uh, kind of reboot reboot ourselves hell of a trip got really proud of the guys and you know you got to give them a lot of credit i mean uh, you know digging hard to even get this point so i you kind of go back over the seven games on the trip and really ticked so many boxes right five one and one record tremendous the way that they won those first few games after coming off the loss to St. Louis. I thought that was really profoundly important because it wasn't necessarily that there were huge question marks or major questions being asked about this team after St. Louis, but if you remember all the way back to then, the offense kind of sputtered a little bit in that game. Tockett spoke about the need to bear down and finish your chances, and then good on him for going to the lotto line the very next game. Now, if we look back on the 2023-2024 season in its entirety, I think this trip is going to be remembered for that primarily and almost maybe above anything else is that this was the trip where the lotto line got back together. Yeah, whether or not it stays together, this will be remembered as the trip that the, the lotto, lotto line, line trip. dominated. And Elias Pettersson yesterday was named the NHL's first star of the week. Right. Um well, that was, sorry, not to cut you off, but also on this trip, this was the one where five guys yeah. got named to the All-Star game. This mm-hmm. was the trip where Rick Tockett was named one of the head coaches at the All-Star game. So it was a bit of a coronation as well. Yeah. This, was the, this was the peak of the season. You've just enjoyed it. It's all downhill from there. See, I didn't want to say yeah, it out over, loud. It's over now, guys. That's why, that's why I let Mr. Shackett over here do the, <laughs> here, the, come the, the in- yeah. here come the injuries and the bad news. Just Andy, be, kidding. Andy, be sure to clip that and put it on the internet. Did you get all that? Uh, yeah, yeah, hey, dog. You brought out the lunatics with your uh, excerpt the other day, but that's <laughs> fine. I said it, so whatever. Yeah. Uh, interesting note, I thought, from the Columbus game, and I noticed this as I was watching it, um, Kuzmenko kept playing, which is a weird way to put it, but with the Canucks protecting a lead in the third period for almost, actually a little over than half the third period, and then playing in, obviously, a tight game, uh, on the road, Kuzmenko played almost six minutes in that period. Um, part of it might have been team fatigue with Tockett wanting to use all his players and <laughs> recognizing was, that. It was like, a Kuzmenko opportunity. No, it was like with recognizing that all his his, his players were pretty tired, um, you know, as well as the lotto line played for a stretch. I don't think they've been as effective in their last few games. Um, and maybe that's the other team, you know, realizing like, oh, we got to check that those guys. Um, but I did think Kuzmenko actually had more jump than usual, had a good chance to win the game in OT, but couldn't bury it, and then was part of the shootout. And like every other Canuck that took a shootout, 
not Brock Besser. He didn't take a shootout, yeah. but every other Canuck that took a shootout, um, you know, he didn't score. But I did think he was good, and it made me wonder. You know, if if there's one guy we talk about every game, I was kind of like, oh, maybe it's Kazmenko because what's going to happen with this guy in the next couple of months as the trade deadline looms? He's in a different position now that the lotto line has been reunited. Yep. He's not either up with PD or down on the fourth line. He's on a line with some legitimate NHL players. He's on a line with Pew Suter and Ilya Mikheyev, and I think it's been better for him, but... Eight goals on the season? Is that what he's got overall? I think it would have been really, really nice, obviously. But I think it would have been really, really nice if he could have been the hero in the game yesterday. Mm -hmm. He certainly had his chances. That chance in overtime that, you know, he looked like he he was on a man he was a man on a mission in overtime and he beat a Columbus Blue Jackets player, went right to the net, had a good shot. Unfortunately, Elvis the monster made the save. And um, then he couldn't score in the shootout. I have no problem with the coach picking him for the shootout. I don't know about Pew Suter. And JT Miller's attempt to look like tired. I don't know. But uh, regardless, I'm not going to break down the shootout too much. But I really am curious about what's going to happen with Kuzmenko. Well, I think I got a pretty good idea is that he's going to remain uh, one of Rick Tockett's, I hate saying this negatively, but least favorite players on the active roster. I mean, Kuzmenko played barely, he played 10 minutes against Buffalo. He's going to get packaged in a trade for Erickson. I think he's going to get traded. I think he's I think he's going to be traded. I think he's, I think he's hard likely. to move. Yeah, but I think they have to move him if they want to make a significant trade because he represents the cap space that they're going to need to add a significant player. Otherwise, the other candidate is Tyler Myers, and I think Tyler Myers is a much more valuable player for the Canucks than Andre Kuzmenko right now. So for me, the biggest issue right now, look, we're still basically seven weeks away from the March 8th trade deadline. There's a lot of time, and there's a lot of things that can develop over those seven weeks, which could alter the landscape and perceptions and everything. But as it stands right now, it looks as though it's going to be really tough to move Kuzmenko because it's almost like the Canucks are going to be trying to do those like two-in-one type trades. Like, well, we're going to try and add to our team at the deadline going into this uh, possibly fruitful playoff run. Also, we want to get this bad money off the books. And it's just, you you look at that dynamic combined with, there's not a ton of suitors right now out there. There are some teams that are clearly in seller mode, right? Right. There's, but there's not. But you're ma- not selling Kuzmenko. You're including Kuzmenko in a deal. Plus, you're. But you I, have to throw in something else. But I think there's. Which is the, probably the. But main I think debate. there has to be an element of salesmanship on him because the team bringing him on oh, is, sure. is yeah. going to have to keep him around unless they turn around and flip him right away. It's a. Look, this is a distressed asset. You could you could write a good story about the distressed asset. You'd be like, hey, remember last year? It wasn't that long ago. This guy had 39 goals. I mean, if you were to tell me, if you were Jim Rutherford and Patrick Elving together and you were to tell me that, I'd be like, okay, he's a distressed asset. Like that that's great. But it's well, also yeah. but the I mean, I would be I would just kind of be side eyeing you. Be like, you just want this money off your books so that you can go and load up at the deadline. But then they'd right? be like, Yeah, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> and then and then we say, okay, well, let's talk about the real deal here. What do you want from us? Yeah. Do you want the first round draft pick? Do you yeah. want one of our prospects? Mm-hmm. Right, depending depending on the size of the, or the the significance of the player coming forward. All I'm saying is that you know I'm not taking Connor Garland off this roster. No, he's driving that that third line. Who else do you want to take off the roster? I, I mentioned Nils Hoglander as a possibility as that sweetener, and I still think it's possible. Some people lost their minds with that. 
but you know, he doesn't represent any cap space, though. If you want to bring on a player with significant cap space and you want to avoid laundering him through multiple different teams, and don't forget, there's a lot of teams out there that will be like, I'm not retaining on this guy. Mm-hmm. So you find a way to do it. And you're like, well, I've, there's one way. Take this Kuzmenko guy, right? Like, it is, it is uh, I, I just think that he represents the most available potential cap space, and he represents the player that is, I don't want to say not going to be missed, but not going to be missed. Tyler Myers is playing a really important role for this team right now. I don't trade him right now unless you're bringing in another veteran right shot, D-man. You brought up a good point yesterday when Sat was in studio and said, like, if they were to go into the playoffs tomorrow, would Kuzmenko even be in the lineup? And it's a fair question to ask because... Uh, he doesn't necessarily play the way Rick Tockett wants everybody to play. Now, a text did come in to the Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650. It's unsigned, so that means it's from Gary. Gary writes, just a thought on Kuzmenko. He's trying hard to play the way Tockett wants him to play, so he isn't able to cheat a bit to get as many offensive opportunities. This will be contributing to his reduced production. That's fine. You shouldn't have to cheat to get chances. That is a problem, Yeah, what he just said. That is not a good thing because... The Canucks are scoring a lot of goals, and one of the reasons they're scoring a lot of goals is they're not cheating. And he's on the hook for $5.5 million. Like, look at the production that he has given this year while, quote-unquote, learning how to play the right way. You don't pay $5.5 million for a guy that has eight goals at the midway point. It's too much mm-hmm. on a team that... Who does, who does nothing else. Sorry, right. right. Like, That's who does thing. nothing it's else. It's not like he's got great defensive plays. He's just basically trying to <laughs> limit the rest of the offensive contributions that he has so he can be a above average, it's average, like, below average. Like, it's not good. It's like when Louis Erickson was with the team. He, he wasn't scoring, but at least you'd be like, you know what? He's a pretty good penalty killer. And you're like, but not for six uh, million. Empty netters. Hello. Yeah, yeah right. He yeah. was the master. Yeah. The, but that was the thing. Is there's you, an empty net. Put Louis out there. When there's bad money on the books, you either acknowledge it and try and move on like they did with Oliver Ekman Larson, right? They didn't try and spin that and be like, well, he could be a you know useful third pair defenseman. The other way you do it is the Louis Erickson thing, which is there were people doing mental gymnastics trying to talk themselves into, well, he can be a, a closer uh, when they got the empty net, or he can, or he can kill. Penalties. And here comes Mariano Erickson. You know, like it, that. But those are really what ends up happening. Play understand, man. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so. Your music, Louis. Um, okay, so real quick reset here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Kristen Shilton is going to join us next. We're going to talk more NHL. If you're wondering why we haven't talked about the NFL yet, uh, we're going to do that mostly in the 7 o'clock hour. It's because Halford doesn't want to eat crow. I'm tripling down. <laughs> no, don't do that. He's ignoring that just, one Bucks fan. Just <laughs> admit. Just, we can do this right now. we got two minutes. Just admit. The Tampa Bay played really well against, uh, granted, albeit a collapsed Eagles team. I will. There was only. Are you at least a little bit happy for Baker Mayfield? Oh, 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 wait, wait a minute. Did did ba- Baker Mayfield get his swagger back? Because I didn't see anyone mention that over the last 48 hours. Oh, I'm hours. sorry. Does that bother you that someone is having success I've, after I've, some early travails in his career? Travails. Is that what he had? He just didn't play well. He, he lost his swagger, I suppose. But it's okay now because Baker. Maybe I don't know you if you heard this or not. Stubborn, stubborn man. What, what, well, you know what? what I never lost my swagger. Small, and a small, small man. I what are you going to do with the Bucks win the Super Bowl? What? I don't need to worry about that, friend. Don't worry. <laughs> hey, you about know that. what? what There's a chance do? they beat the Lions. 
they are gone. Next, a, they're gone next week. Oh, they're gone next week. They okay. should have been gone this weekend, but they managed to find the only team that's worse than them at football, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. This is such a huge this cheering is, point for me now. I hope I the am Bucks so, win. We are a I, Bucks yeah. show right now. Come on, Tampa Bay. We are. Any, uh, there's 31 other teams in the NFL that we are we're, on board with. Uh, we are all called. We are all Baker Mayfield right now. I thought that was a really impressive performance by Tampa Bay and yeah, the Philadelphia. They, they took care of a team that put up nine points in a playoff game. Baker was yeah. Cooking. One of the reasons was because they played really good defense. Oh, was that what was happening? Oh my God, you're you're like it, people always say like of the show that Bruff is the stubborn one. He's kind of like the the the, the guy that's like in a in a bad mood all the time. You cannot. I'm I fully admitted that I got this Canucks team wrong this season, and I'm happy I got it wrong. I didn't expect them to be close to what. Um, they are right now. I I congratulated the Houston Texans, and I said I got the Cleveland Browns defense wrong. I thought that was going to be good, and then they went into Houston, and they laid an egg. Why can't you just admit that Tampa Bay has had a pretty good season? Because I've not lost my swagger. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we do have a lot more to get into on the show. Uh, Chris, sad man. Kristen Shilton's coming up next for more NHL talk. Seven o'clock, we're going to do all the NFL stuff. Eight o'clock, we're giving away all of our prizes. Before I do anything, I need to tell you the first segment of this show was brought to you by Jan Pro, the leaders in commercial cleaning and janitorial. If your workplace demands a clean environment, contact Jan Pro for free and a no obligation quote. Visit them online at janpro.ca. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. This is the peak of the season. You've just enjoyed it. It's all downhill from there. <laughs> The most comprehensive Canucks coverage in the city. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. On a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Kristen Shilton from ESPN is going to join us in just a moment here. Uh, hour one of this program is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. That's normally Greg Wyshynski's music, but he's off for a couple weeks on paternity leave. So we're very excited to have our next guest on the program. Also from ESPN, Kristen Shilton joins us now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Kristen. How are you? I'm good, thanks, guys. How you doing? Uh, we're good. Thanks for taking the time to do this. We appreciate it. Uh, we wanted to start with the latest power rankings, your byline right underneath them. And I always laugh when I see either NHL standings or NHL power rankings right now because in most of them, number one is Winnipeg and number two is Vancouver, just like we all predicted at the beginning of the year. But the Canucks come in at uh, number two on the latest ESPN power rankings. Uh, do you have to kind of sometimes stop and shake your head and pinch yourself a little bit that this is the position that we're in? You know, I have to say that Vancouver and Winnipeg have probably been my two biggest surprises of the whole season as it is. And Vancouver in particular, just the consistency that I think the team has brought throughout the entire first half of this season has really blown me away. I mean, you kind of thought 
just because of history that eventually you're going to see some sort of drop off. You're going to see that it was a surge here, a surge there, but then otherwise there's, you know, the struggles that they've been through and the, the coaching carousel and the management issues and goaltending and injuries and, and all of it. And then now it just feels like everyone's pulling on the rope at the same time. And Rick Tockett has done an incredible job of that, of just, I think, getting everybody on the same page. But at the same time, I mean, Thatcher Demko playing as well as he has, Queen Hughes playing to that degree, Elias Pedersen, JT Miller, like it just goes on and on down the list of guys who have had an impact. And then you're really seeing the complementary players stepping up on a regular basis as well. It's not just a top-heavy team. They really do have good depth. So, And then you look at Winnipeg and you're like, these guys aren't giving up more than two goals a game and they can blow you out at the same time offensively. And it really feels like from a Canadian hockey fan perspective, you have to think, hey, like this could be a good spring for Canada, knock on wood if these teams keep it up because it's it's hard to to see a lot of flaws, especially when the Canucks are doing right now. Who gets uh, the nod if you were to vote on the coach of the year, if it was between Rick Bonus in Winnipeg and Rick Tockett, the battle of the Ricks well, in Vancouver? I mean, absolutely. It's like, I, I'm such a Rick Tockett fan and I was before he was in Vancouver, but uh, you know, Bonus has done a great job for sure, but I tip of the cap to Rick Tockett in the first half of this season. He would be my first half choice, absolutely. Kind of, it's very, you know, almost Jim Montgomery-esque in a, in a way, just taking, you know, a team that, that really needed a new voice and a new direction and, and really being able to get the most out of them every single night. You can really see that. And the players clearly love playing for Tockett. It's a very nice uh, marriage there, you can see. What is the biggest question for the Canucks going forward for the rest of the season? Well, I think it really, for me, comes down to, first of all, health. You can't control that. I I think if this team stays healthy, you can't imagine that there's a lot that's going to be an impediment uh, to their success. I mean, they obviously are distracted by the Elias Pedersen uh, contract situation. That's going to settle itself at some point, maybe not till the end of the year. Uh, And it's just, if you can keep Thatcher Demko playing the way that he is, if Quinn Hughes can continue on his trajectory, I just, I, like I say, I don't see a lot of holes in there. So the biggest question mark to me is, A, can you stay healthy? And B, can you just almost not, you know, lean into your own headlines? You know, like as long as they keep a level head and they just understand that nothing is given, you know, and, and everything is earned. And that's where I think teams sometimes that have a lot of first-half success that are used to it, they get a little in over their heads in the second half when everything ramps up, other teams get desperate you have to keep matching that urgency and you have to keep matching the desperation of the teams that you're facing that down the stretch are, are going to be, you know, hunting for points. And even if you're, you know, eyeing a playoff spot, you don't want to slip from, you know, a top position and be looking at, you know, taking on a second wild card or potentially taking on, you know, someone in your own division, right? Like you don't want uh, to find yourself in that position. So I would say that if, if health and injury status uh, can remain status quo, I would just say if just keep pulling pulling on the rope and don't get, you know, an inflated head about where you're at because it would be easy, I think, for Vancouver to do that. They have been uh, on a real upward trajectory getting better, and I don't know that there's a lot of teams in the league that can say they're consistently getting better. Look what happened to Vegas. Started off so, so well, and then now I think they have one of the worst records in the league since calendar turn or even since late December. So it's it, it can really slip away quickly. 
if you stop doing the things that make you successful. So I would say that's the biggest concern I would have for Vancouver is that, you know, you just start to, to maybe believe in yourself a little too much. Mm-hmm. If the Oilers were to play the Canucks in a series, who would be the favorite? Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine that series? <laughs> yes, oh, I can. Wow. It might happen. I I would be immediately on an airplane out west for that one. Um, uh, I mean, you, you would have to just you break it down and you think offensively you would want to give the edge to the Oilers simply because of who they have up front. But then the Canucks have done so much offensively this year as well. And you can see, like I said, the, the depth that they have. I think that their depth might even outweigh what Edmonton has. And I like the goaltending in Vancouver just, you know, historically from this season, uh, you know, you'd like it a little bit more in, in the playoffs uh, than maybe you would in, in Edmonton. But from a Bruin perspective, I think you get a little bit of an edge to Vancouver. I mean, I sound like I'm picking Vancouver here. But, I, you know, at the same time, I've, I've been out in Edmonton, I think, the last three years. And in the postseason, they, they can really find ways to hurt you. They can find ways to score. And uh, that's, of course, always uh, the threat when you've got the best player in the world on the ice. So I would just say that it would be an interesting coaching matchup as well to look at, uh, you know, a guy like Taki going up against Snowbolch and and knowing that this would be his first opportunity, really, to be coaching a postseason. It would be interesting to see if coaching would come into play there as well. Just maybe a couple trips up Taki's sleeve that maybe – Novak doesn't uh, quite have just yet, given his rookie status, but I would love that series. It would be, uh, I think, a great thing for hockey. We're talking hockey with Kristen Sheldon from ESPN, and it's interesting how much you talk about the depth in Vancouver because that has been a major issue for this team for a number of years. And I just think about the job that Patrick Alvin, along with the president of Hockey Ops, Jim Rutherford, and all the pro scouts and all the executives have done in Vancouver to fill the gaps. Because if you think about it, you know, the Canucks had Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes and JT Miller and Thatcher Demko. They've had them for a number of years. They, they even had Bo Horvat. Um, so they've had these, they've had these players at key positions, but it was so many other things that go into a team besides just the core talent. It was surrounding those players with more depth. It was giving them the right head coach that would teach them how to, you know, play hockey. It was naming a captain in Quinn Hughes that seems to have the ear of the room and the respect of the room. If you look around the league, has there been a better GM or if you want to call them a duo than Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford? Well, here's where I give them a lot of credit. They stuck to their guns in the face of, I think, a lot of mounting criticism, in the face of a lot of um, negative pushback to what they were doing early on, uh, especially with Rutherford stepping in there after being in Pittsburgh. And then, you know, the the way that things went down with Boudreaux and, and a lot of those past issues, I give them credit for believing in their own vision for where they could take Vancouver. And then now to see that kind of come to fruition and to see that there was, you know, not, I wouldn't call it long-term at this point because it's only been a couple of years, but there was a plan that they had. There was a perspective that they had for this group. They just had to get there and they had to make hard, unpopular at the time decisions in order to do that. And I think there's a lot of GMs, a lot of hockey ops, uh, you know, people who are afraid to, you know, rock the boat too much. They don't want to draw too much negative attention. They don't want to have to deal with 
you know, you think about when Rutherford, it felt like Rutherford was talking like every other day trying yeah. to defend what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot of execs that don't want to do that. They, they would rather just play it safe. And, you know, it's the cliche that like, hey, you know, it's my problem now, but if it doesn't work out, it's going to be somebody else's problem. And if you take that attitude, I think you don't get the best out of the team. Whereas I think that Alvin and Rutherford did the exact opposite. And they were like, no, I want to be responsible for what this blueprint looks like. I want to put my fingerprints on this and say, this is us. Like, this is what we're doing. And we want to be proud of that. And ultimately, you know, now we can say like, wow, that was, you know, those decisions that they made, they were the right ones because they're getting results. And they're not just, you know, kicking the can down the road again and saying, well, we made a bunch of poor choices. Now it's on somebody else to come in and clean it up. And uh, I would say, you know, when you're thinking about top, executives top combinations of of minds building a team i don't know that you could put too many if any at this point ahead of vancouver just based on the first half of and what they've been able to accomplish uh in, in sort of that uh mold that they have crafted and and it's, it's impressive like i say i don't know that many execs that would be okay with getting raped like they did and still pulling through but uh they stuck to their guns and and it's working out so in your role with a national rights holder, you're a reporter that's covering the NHL league-wide. So you're doing things like power rankings and award watches, and you're getting a sense of what's going to happen across the league. So with all that said, going into the March 8th trade deadline, which is probably the closest thing on the horizon here, uh, what sort of sense are you getting about uh, the type of market it is, what the landscape looks like, how things are shaping up now that we're about seven weeks away from the March 8th trade deadline? Yeah, you know, I was just having a conversation about this with someone yesterday and, and sort of asking, you know, it seems to me like there's a lot of teams that need goaltending help at this deadline more so than maybe years past. We don't always see a goal of actions because it can be difficult for goalies to get settled in midseason. It can be hard for them to find a rhythm. But it really, when you look around, there's there's guys that could potentially help and there's guys, there's teams that need help. So I am looking at that as a maybe a bit of a misnomer from years past that maybe we're going to see a bit of a trend towards, you know, some goalie transactions and uh, teams kind of looking to, to bolster that goaltending depth, knowing how important it's going to be in the postseason. And then defense is just the big one. It's every, I feel like every single conversation I've had about trade, trade deadline is who's looking for defensive help. And I don't know if that's going to be something that changes over the next few weeks, but it seems like, a very, very uh, important, obviously it's always important, but last year it was all about, you know, adding offense and firepower. And, and it doesn't seem like teams are as concerned about scoring goals this year as they are about maintaining leads. I mean, and no better example of that than the team here in Toronto, certainly. Uh, that, uh, you know, but can't hold a lead. But that's a, sort of a league-wide thing where we're seeing uh, a lot of teams that are having, uh, you know, struggles with uh, their back ends and and even just staying healthy on the back end. A lot of injuries have piled up with key players, players not maybe performing to the level that they were expected to. So if I had to pick two trends I'm kind of expecting, I would say more goaltenders, definitely a focus on defense. Um, And, you know, it's easy to say in January that, oh, it sounds like, you know, teams are going to be busy. But then we get into February you only see how, you know, maybe some guys settle in after all-star break, they get a little time off, uh, and maybe some teams aren't as, you know, eager to, uh, to to trade. But 
as we know, the salary cap is going to be, you know, getting back to its usual uh, in yearly increases. I think teams are just a little bit more, um, or sorry, I should say a little bit less hesitant uh, to think about trading and, and to, you know, potentially um, making moves. And especially when it comes to the off season too, it just doesn't seem like everyone's quite, you know, you know, wringing their hands a little bit, wondering how they're going to make it all work. It seems like there's a little bit more, um, you know, need for uh, for turnover maybe at this trade deadline than we've seen the last couple of years with the flat cap and, and teams just being a little more worried about the money side of it too. Kristen, this was great. Thank you very much for taking the time to do this. We really appreciate nice it. Nice catching up with you, Kristen. Yeah, and we'll do this again yeah, next week. I, th- I think we're doing this again next week as well, which is awesome. So thank you very much. Yeah, I'll talk to you guys then. Have a good week. You Cheers, too. Kristen. Thank you. That's uh, Kristen Shilton from ESPN here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Still trying to wrap my head around the fact that the Canucks are potentially buyers at the deadline. You know, our, our annual rite of tradition in January, I always joke, and I'm not even joking because it's pretty accurate, is mm-hmm. uh, you start writing think pieces about what the Canucks can get in return for their pending UFAs, which is always fun. And then you start calling prospects experts to look ahead to the draft. Yeah, and you wake up every morning and you just have a bit of a cry. It's so cold. Yeah. Plus there's five, five Canucks at the mm-hmm. All-Star game and a coach. Like, I'm already excited for the game. Now it's just through the roof. I'm excited to see Rick Tockett at the All-Star game. He's going to do something special. He's yeah. going to be in the skills comp. That's right. <laughs> they should do that, actually. There should be a coach's skills comp. You know, I thought Kristen made a great point about how Patrick Alvin and Jim Rutherford stuck to their guns. Yeah. Um, in the face of criticism, and a lot of that criticism came from shows like ours that didn't... Here's the thing. We didn't believe in the core. I, I didn't, at least. I won't speak for anyone else, but I didn't believe that this core could take the Canucks to the level that they are right now. They haven't done anything in the playoffs, granted. I know all that, but I didn't believe that they could play like this. I didn't think they had the right mix for whatever reason, which is weird because, you know, you had them in the key positions. You had the centers in Miller and Pedersen, and you had the defensemen in Quinn Hughes, and you had the goalie in Thatcher Demko. Like, that's the core that you want. A lot of teams, they can say that we have great core players, but you're like, yeah, but do you have a goalie or do you, or do you have a defenseman? I mean, forever in Vancouver, there was no number one defenseman like Quinn Hughes. And there was so much that had to be done to turn this core of players into what we're seeing right now, which is a team, a functioning team. Think about it. You had to, uh, well, actually, I mean, one of the things that they had to do, they felt they had to do, you know, I'm not trying to knock Bo Horvat's leadership here, but they traded the captain. And so they um, empowered, I'm going to use their words because, you know, they use them and it's worked. They empowered a new leadership group that was led by Quinn Hughes. They brought in a new head coach in Rick Tockett and they were aligned with him on what they had to do. And perhaps most importantly, they filled out the parts of the roster that had to be filled out. They knew the roles that they had to fill and they filled them. They got it done and they got it done under really difficult circumstances. Not only the criticism that they were taking from the outside, like, what are you guys doing? We've seen this tried before. We've seen the, we've seen the retool. We've seen the retool on the fly. And what are you going to, what are you going to solve this all by like structure and, and all that. And they were like, yeah, mm mm-hmm. We're going to chip away at this thing and we're just going to bring in piece after piece and hope that those pieces are the right pieces. And then think about all the players that we talk about beyond 
the stars, beyond the core players. We think about, you know, like even a guy like in Ian Cole, what he's brought to them in kind of a third-pair role. Or a guy like Teddy Bluger or Pew Suter. All these guys were brought in. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think it's I mean it is it's a remarkable job that they did and you know, I think it's it's refreshing to see a lot. I mean, I know you won't admit you're wrong about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because but I'm not. I was completely wrong about the Canucks. I remember texting with all of you guys and even in like the first period of the Oilers game, I'm like this team is like we're not. This is not. A, this is going to be another bad season. Like this is going to be another bad season. And then they go on to win that game, eight to one. Because remember the preseason in training camp, it wasn't like super encouraging. There were a bunch of young players. Remember that we had hoped that they would come that rise to the forefront, and we we're like none of them are doing it. And Pod Colson was a invisible, and he was down to the AHL really quickly. And I was like, we're going to have another. We're going to have another season. But you know, I think the early success against the Edmonton Oilers starting the belief in Rick Tockett's system and bringing in Rick Tockett last season to start setting the standard and to start setting the structure structure and to start teaching mm-hmm. that move also got criticized right and it turned out to be the right one and overall it's just been very very impressive from the organization from the top to the bottom yeah i mean i think that this management group uh put it this way when the only uh real negative that you can pin on them is the Kuzmenko extension. Uh, you're saying that they're they're close to, I don't, God, I hate to say close to batting 1,000, but you look at every single move that's happened, mm-hmm. especially over the last six to eight months, and it's been just a tick in the positive. It's been a pro. It's been a win. It's been uh, just an impressive bit of management for a team that didn't have a ton of room <laughs> under the cap. Even Lecker or Mackey turned it around. You know, everything's coming <laughs> everything's up Canucks. Going well. <laughs> Everything is coming up Canucks. I mean, remember and- when Rutherford was asked, like, how long do you think before we're competitive? And he was like, two or three years. And everyone was like, really? That's, you, you know, that's why? awfully quick. And we're like, oh, hey, he was right. You could even go ahead and relitigate them passing on Zach Benson now if you wanted, because that is not turned out to be what everyone thought it was going to be in Buffalo right now. I know he had an amazing wonder goal to start his time there, but right now like, he looks like a guy that probably shouldn't be in the NHL. Yeah, like, they rushed, like, rushed him into the NHL. Right? Yeah. They rushed him. Yeah. And that was maybe kind of the issue with Benson was that the offensive upside and it was it was so high and the mm-hmm. skill was so high that you would be kind of interested in bringing him to that level. But well, the, Canucks, the moral of the story is don't rush prospects. Is that what it is? Unless they're Connor Bedard. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Here's what's going on uh, for the next couple hours on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. 7 o'clock, we're going to do a fair bit of NFL talk, including uh, our NFL insider from The Messenger, Mike Tannier. He's going to join us at 7.30. 8 o'clock, we're going to dive right back into the Canucks talk. Brandon Batchelor is going to join us at the top of the hour. And then we are going to give away um, all of the goodies that we have, including the prize pack to the big football game and a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and the Leafs on Saturday. Uh, speaking of the big football game, you can reserve your spot for the football party at the Clayton Public House hosted by Sportsnet 650. You can visit them online at theclaytonpub.com. Clayton Public House, good food, good people, good times.